Come on, we doing good tonight? Come on. Did anybody work today on Labor Day? Good. I, it's a stat holiday. Hope you didn't work. Before I start, I just want to introduce two people to you. My amazing parents are in the house tonight, so you guys want to stand up. Now, I just got to honor them. I don't think I've had an opportunity to honor them while preaching here at First Assembly, but I am who I am because of Ruth and Simon, and they are absolute gems, and uh, they have been the perfect example of what it is to be a man of God. I was about to say a woman of God, but I'm not a woman. Thank God. I'm just kidding. If I was a woman, if God chose me to be a woman, that would be fine. I would have accepted it, but they are absolute, uh, they're the best, and uh, I just want to honor you guys tonight, so... Man, I'm excited to preach. I haven't preached in a long time here at, at uh, Tehillah Monday since December. And um, I have the honor and privilege of wrapping up this series. How many people have been here once or twice throughout the summer for our Naked Gospel series? How many people were at Worst last week? Dude, it was lit. It was super fun. Good music, good food, good hangs, some powerful stories. Thank you, Shalom in the booth and Levi. Uh, if you missed that, you missed out. Because it was awesome. But basically what this series is all about, I know maybe that word naked, you're like, was I, my mom said this when she came in. She's like, the naked gospel. Was I supposed to come in naked tonight, James? I'm like, no, you weren't supposed to come in naked. Maybe some of you are wondering. But what it simply means is simple. It's the simple gospel. It's the stripped down, no pun intended, stripped down gospel of, of simply who Jesus is. And tonight I get the absolute privilege to talk about the greatest person, the greatest figure, the most influential person on this planet that has ever been around, and his name is Jesus. And I am so pleased and so excited to talk about my best friend, to talk about my Savior, to talk about uh, the one who saved me. So we're in a moment where we're going to turn into the scriptures, but I just want to bring some context to the scripture that I'm going to talk about. Uh, It's in 1 John 2, verses 3 to 6, and it's up on the screen if you want to throw it up there, Justin. Uh, but this guy named John, does anybody know who John was in the Bible? John was, uh, he actually called himself, John was one of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples, that he called himself the beloved. Now, a lot of times in life, we say, yo, I love that person, but not oftentimes do we say, hey, that person loves me. What beloved means is, hey, that person loves me. Jesus loves me. He called himself that. And he, he had an understanding of Jesus that I think nobody else did in that time, in that day. He had such a deep and intimate relationship. The song that we sang earlier, the more I seek, the more I find you, that, that, that line, I want to sit at your feet. I want to drink from the cup from your hand. I want to lay back against you. That was John. There was a picture uh, in the scriptures that was told where John, he was so close to Jesus. He would actually, it's kind of weird. They would kind of cuddle. Like he would lay on his chest and hear his heartbeat kind of thing. And it's, that in the, in, the, in the Jewish culture was such an intimate place that nobody, it was like reserved for your spouse. And that's about it. But John loved and knew Jesus loved him so much that he took that place. And he said, I am Jesus' beloved. And he's writing here, and it's such a powerful verse. And we're going to read it right now. It's up on the screen, as you know. It says, we know that we have come to know him who is Jesus if... Everybody say if. We keep his commands. Oof, that's intense. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. Man, John's pressing on something here. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. 
This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this evening. God, I thank you for every single person here. They could be anywhere tonight. It's a long weekend. They could be out, whatever, doing anything, but they chose to be here with you, God. And I just pray for an encounter with Jesus, the Son of God. I pray that every single person here would be able to experience him in a new way, whether they know him or don't, whether they've been in church for 40 years or not, that they would leave this place changed, God, because your love changes everything. So, Father, I thank you for this evening Thank you for every person. You love them. I love them. And I, I'm excited to be here, God. So bless it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Yeah. Anyway, so I got a question for you guys. Have you ever wanted to be like someone? Have you, has anybody ever like, like, yo, I want to be that guy, like, or that girl, or like, has anybody ever had that? Am I talking to myself here? I've probably wanted to be a lot of different people. You know, one of my dreams is to be Kobe Bryant. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to be able to play basketball like him. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to name one of my kids Kobe, all caps, K-O-B-E, just so every time I can see him, I'll be like, Kobe! And I'm going to live my dreams out vicariously through him. Has anybody ever had that? Where they're like, yo, man, shoot, shoot, dog. I want to be like Bill Gates. I want to be a billionaire. Has anybody had that? I know. No? Nobody? Has anybody, like, or, or maybe you're, like, wanted to be like someone, like, shoot, like, Mitch's voice, dang, that's, that's a fine voice. Has anybody ever been like, I wish I could sing like the worship leader? Anybody, I see some heads nodding. I mean, I mean, I'm sure at one point in our lives, every single one of us has wanted to be like someone. Comparison is really easy to do. It's not always a good thing. Uh, in fact, most oftentimes, it's definitely not a good thing. But there's, there's people in our lives, and, and there is healthy comparison in role models, in people you aspire to be like. It's not a bad thing, and I'm just going to plug this in right now. If you don't have a mentor in your life, you should. If you don't have someone that's way older than you or, or is significantly more life experienced than you that's mentoring you and walking you through things, you should have one. That's what a local church is for. Uh, get plugged into a Sunday morning experience where you can have someone to mentor you. I want to encourage you to do that. But when I was a teenager, man... I had, I had these two guys in my life that I wanted to be like. Uh, it's, it's, uh, m- some of you may know them. Most of you probably don't. But their names are Chad Stoffer and uh, Fraser Stewart. Brett, that's Brett's brother. Everybody say, hi, Brett. So these guys, they used to, like, play here, play drums and guitar. They were really cool, really hot. I met them at camp, and I was, like, had, like, a man crush on them. I'm like, I want to be like these guys. Now, some of the things they were doing probably were a little bit questionable back then, but that's not for me to judge. But I wanted to be like them nonetheless. And they, they had a massive influence on me. I was in junior high there in high school. I was like, dude, I just want to be like Fraser. He gets all the ladies. Like, it'd be amazing to get all the ladies. I'm kidding. But uh, um, I, I wanted to be like them. And, and I, I remember in junior high getting into, like, music, like, not like, like hymns or some chick playing on the piano, but like, you know, like music. I remember sitting in front of the television, and uh, I think I was across the street at this, this lady named Mrs. Chapin's house, and she had this channel called Much Music. Does anybody remember Much Music? And uh, there's this video of, of, of Chris Martin singing, The Scientist. And it was the video, it's beautiful. He's like walking backwards the whole time, but singing forwards. Takes some serious talent to do that. Even though I just talked and walked backwards, it's pretty cool, I know. But I remember in that moment being like, what is this song? It's amazing. My heart, like, 
It's crazy. It's amazing. And, and, and uh, I remember, man, music became a huge part of my life. And the music that Fraser and Chad liked uh, was Screamo. Did anybody like Screamo music? Like, oh, like, does anybody, couple people, Cody, where's Cody? I don't know. He probably left, but that's okay. Or he's, not, or, or he's still here. Um, but that, that music, that scene, they like had a style that they, that, you know, do you know that style? Like, I tried to put on mascara once because, you know, it was like Fall Out Boy. It was cool. Wanted, you know, like, <laughs> I, I didn't wear it out, people. I'm sorry. I'm, my confessions. But another thing they did is they wore skinny jeans. Now, skinny jeans back then for men, there wasn't any. Apart from, like, Wranglers. Where I was from, it was like a cowboy, and you wore Wranglers, and, and it was the real men's skinny jean. But skinny jeans weren't in existence, but somehow Fraser and Chad had some. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to find some skinny jeans. So I hit up the Value Village, hit up the women's section, and, uh, you know, got a larger size women's pants and, uh, and uh, had some skinny jeans. And it was pretty funny. People thought I liked dudes for a super long time, but, you know, there's... there's there's people that we aspire to be like, and I was willing to do anything, even make fun of myself. I was a trendsetter in Devon, you know, but whatever. Uh, they didn't realize that. They just made fun of me, and that's okay. But um, there's people that we aspire to be like. There's, and it's actually, it can be a very good thing. It, it is a healthy thing. And right now, I want to take a minute and, and ask yourself truly, who do I look up to? Who do I aspire to be like? Who do I want to model my life after? Take 30 seconds, think about it honestly, get real with yourself and be like, who is the person that I want to be like? And tell your neighbor, okay, three, two, one, go, go. Ask yourself. Ask yourself, who do I want to be like? Be honest. It could be Britney Spears if you're a, a 25-year-old female. I wanted to be Britney Spears at one point. Tell your neighbor, I didn't want to be Britney Spears. All right, all right, all right. Let's hear some of them. Somebody, somebody get bold in this place right now. Tell me, who do you want to be like? Somebody, somebody. Put your hand up and say, or just shout it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mom, that's amazing. I wanted to be like my mom. Anybody else, anybody else? Oprah. I wanted to be like Oprah. Who? The Archangel Michael. That is intense. Wow. Spiritually you are. Anybody else? Anybody else? Beyonce. I definitely wanted to be like Beyonce. Women rule the world. It's amazing. I don't want to be like Beyonce. I'm just kidding. Any, any, Justin Bieber. Who? Biggie Smalls. He's dead, man. You don't want to be like Biggie Smalls. You want to die? But I think, I think, and I, I want to say this, so it's a, again, it's a good thing to have role models and stuff like that, but oftentimes I find that when we really get to the bottom of it, the person we're talking about tonight, Jesus, oftentimes isn't at the top of our list. Oftentimes isn't really necessarily the person that influences the most. And I'll be the first to admit that. Again, it's easier to have tangible people in front of you to model yourself after. It's easier to do that. Jesus, again, for those of you maybe who've been in church for a long time or have never been in church before, you can't see Jesus. At least I haven't. Some people have. And uh, I believe that one day I'm going to see him face to face like on this earth and that'd be really cool. But 
Even, even God understood that humanity needs a tangible person to see. A lot of people from the Old Testament had a lot of confusing thoughts about God. So he sent his son Jesus to the world to be what? The perfect picture of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. But sometimes in our lives, it is hard to see Jesus. I'll be honest. I work at a church and it's hard to see Jesus. I'm around like Christian people all the time and sometimes it's really hard to see Jesus. And oftentimes, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, again, you're listening to me right now, but the way we see Jesus, the way we learn about him is through somebody talking on a mic, somebody preaching, somebody telling you, maybe your youth leader or your mentor or your parents or your friends, somebody else telling you about Jesus. And again, it's not a bad thing. But my question for us tonight is when are we going to find out who Jesus is for ourselves? When are we going to know him for ourselves? In moments like spontaneous worship where it's 50 minutes of no lyrics, I don't know what to do. In moments like that when we know Jesus, it's not awkward because we're just with him. When are we going to, as a church, I'm talking to the whole church globally, not just you guys. When are we as a church going to know Jesus for ourselves? And maybe you're in this place and you're thinking, you're like, yo, James, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, one of your youth. Like, yo, like, I, me and Jesus, we tight. Like, I want to be the archangel, Michael. Like, like, me and Jesus, we are homeboys. But, uh, you know, again, and I'll be the first to admit that sometimes when people ask me, like, hey, man. How are you and God doing? How are you and Jesus doing? And I'm like, yo, man, good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. And he's like, oh, they're like, man, what's Jesus talking to you about? They're like, love, bro. <laughs> love. Yo. Like, peace, man. What else? Peace. Peace that goes beyond understanding, bro. It's legit. It's legit, and maybe, I don't know if you've been there, but I've definitely been there, where I'm like, ooh, like, how am I God doing? Like, are we cool? Are we tight? Are we close? Is he mad at me? Like, did I do something wrong? And then after that conversation, you're like, man, dude, and then you like, you want, you want to avoid you being asked how you and God are, so you're like, hey, how are you and God doing? Like, tell me about it. And they're like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Has anybody been there before? It's the one, probably one of the most awkward questions. But in all reality, it should be one of the most easiest questions to answer. And maybe you're saying to yourself, like, I've been in church my whole life, or I've never been in church at all. I just, man, I just don't know how. Like, the church I'm a part of, it's great, but the preacher kind of sucks. I hope you're not thinking about me right now. But, uh, like, you know, like, my small group is, is awesome, but... You know, I just, I'm just not getting fed there, or, or, or like, I, I don't know where to start. Like, my church is just not feeding me, so I got to go to another church to get fed. And, and, and that in itself is a telltale of where you are at with Jesus. If you're saying, and again, there's zero condemnation, if you got to go to another church to get fed, please do, if God's calling you. But if you're saying, I need to go to another church, and you've been around church, you've known Jesus for a while, and you're saying, I, I got to go get fed, man. You're saying in that, 
that, hey, I still need somebody to spoon feed me the message of the word of God every Sunday, and I actually can't feed myself. Paul said in Romans, he's like, you guys are wanting the meat, but I can only give you milk because you are only able to digest that. When, when are we as the church going to know him for ourselves? And the second question is, where, man, where do I start? Like, I've tried, James. Like, honestly, I've tried. Like, you know, like, I was a part of the small group. I was a part of the Bible study. I was a part of, a part of all the good things, all, you know, like, I, I do pray, like, at the dinner table and bless the food. You know, I, I, I do, like, I, I try, and, and I've been there before where it's been, like, knocking my head against the wall trying to hear from God. I absolutely sympathize with you, and I absolutely understand that it's, sometimes it's hard to hear God when you can't see him. But again, when are we going to own our faith for ourselves? Where do I start? Tonight, I, wanna, I hope this can help. And I, I'm speaking out of my own experience. And, and I think this is scriptural. I, I believe it is. But where, where the beginning of your relationship with Jesus truly starts is at the end of yourself, is when you die to yourself, is when you say, I don't actually want what I want. I want, I want Jesus. Where it starts is when you say, I'm undone, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. When you become a perfect candidate for Jesus to have a relationship with is when you say, I can't do it on my own. Because Jesus, and here's why I think a lot of people, and this is what the crux of the success of the church in North America is hanging on right now, is are we as a church willing to give up everything for Jesus? Are we willing to lay down our life just to find it? Jesus said, he's, he's like, if you try to save your life, you will lose it, but if you lay it down, you will find it. The North American church is really comfortable in pews. And again, if you're here for the first time, this is not for you. But as Christians, Christians mean many Christ. We're really, really, really comfortable in having Jesus on Sunday morning, but having the rest of our lives for ourselves. I'll admit it. That's been me. And this may be pressing on some people, but it's really easy just to hear a, a cute gospel, you know, like, hey, man, the naked gospel, it's cute, man, like a cup and a bread, it's cute, and not ha- and leave having nothing changed. It's easy to do that. It is so easy to do that, but Jesus is not interested in just one day of the week of your life. He is not interested in 50% of your heart, 10% of your heart. He's not even interested in 99% of your heart. Now, he understands that you're on a journey, but what he is asking for is all of your heart. And the moment that I came to the end of myself, it was after this whole tight jeans phase, and I was getting bullied, and, and I was trying to figure out who I was, and I was lost, and, 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 and I, I kind of, I got these prophetic words from these people that said, hey, you're supposed to go into ministry, you're supposed to be a pastor, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it, so at high school, I said to all my best friends from K to 12, I had been with them for my entire life, I said, guys, you're interested in partying, I got to remove myself from that, so I said, 
said, okay, Jesus, I was actually at a party after camp, which was dumb, but I was like, Jesus, like, what are you doing, man? I thought we were, we moved forward from here. Why are you here again? And he's like, you better leave right now. So I'm like, okay, I left. I said goodbye to all my friends. I applied to Bible school. I'm like, I'm going to go serve Jesus. And, and, and I applied and worked the summer and, um, I applied thinking that it's God's will for me to go to Bible school. And maybe some of you have heard this, but I, I, I applied to this school in Portland, Oregon, where Justin, my dog, and the, and the, we were roommates eventually there. Uh, my best friend, Ryan, um, he, was, he was going there. And, and I said goodbye to my friends. I was going to go with my Christian friends and try to figure out who I was and find my calling and identity. And I, I applied, got my visa and everything. And then they gave me a call a couple weeks later to the dean. He's like, hey, man, uh, we can't accept you. I was like, what? Like, like, for those of you who don't know, Bible schools will accept anyone. Literally, I went to school with drug dealers. Like, people who paid for their tuition with, from online gambling. Like, so many people were having sex in the dorms. Like, it was nuts. And uh, I, I, they'll accept anyone, believe me. They need your money. But they said no to me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to apply at another school in Edmonton, Vanguard, like, You know, my parents taught there about sex. It's great. You know, if you go to Vanguard and you do four years, you'll probably hear about them, teach you about sex and stuff like that. You know, like the bees and the the whatever and the bears. But the birds, never mind. (laughs) They didn't teach me about the birds and the bears. I'm just kidding. They did. But but I, I, I... I apply to this school, and they're like, yo, you're in. Like, totally, you're good, Vanguard. And, and they're, they're like, totally. I'm like, all right, I'll go to Vanguard. And then two weeks later, I get the same phone call. Hey, man, we prayed about it, and we can't accept you this semester. I'm like, what? Like, Jesus, I was just trying to go, like, you know, do what you told me to. Like, what the heck, Jesus? I was finally getting my life together. Now I'm about to go into a deep and dark hole. I'm like, what now? And the next day, this guy named Bill White came to my door, offered me a job, and it's a job that I worked all throughout college, and it was, a, it was an amazing privilege. And uh, this job was not amazing. It was, it was a privilege to be making money, but it was not an amazing job. What I had to do, what I had to do um, was, you know the gray gas meters on the side of your house? Anybody ever own a house here? Did anybody ever live in a house? Well, you have a gray gas meter on the side, and it's made of metal, and it rusts, and gas leaks happen, and houses blow up, and people die, and I had to go and paint those, those metal bars so that gas wouldn't leak, so that things wouldn't explode, so that people wouldn't die, and I was saving lives. I'm just kidding. Nobody, houses explode from that, but I felt like I was doing something real, and, and, and that was by myself for six months. I didn't even have another option. It was go be by yourself eight hours a day in the backyard with your iPod painting. It was miserable. Some days I would do four. Some days I would do like 80. Some days I would sit on the can for like a half hour, four times. It was amazing. (laughs) But when I finally got to know Jesus, it was when I actually had nothing else. I'd said goodbye to my friends from high school, my friends that probably would have challenged me in my faith and helped me in my faith, they left too, and all I had was Jesus. My parents can attest to it. I would work 10-hour days. I would, I would work 
out the town 10 hours, and I go do respite care for another six hours, and, and uh, I love special needs people, but sometimes they don't like talking, uh, and uh, you know, I, was, I was spending a lot of time by myself, and all I had was Jesus. And this was the moment that I saw later, I definitely did not understand it when it was happening, but I saw later that Jesus had designed it in my life for an opportunity to know him. Maybe if I look back and say, well, would I have chosen to stay, if I had the option to go to PBC or choose to stay and, and be by yourself for six months, and, but be with Jesus and get to know him in a way, intimate way that you'd never have before. I probably still would have chose PBC because I relied on people to spur me forward in my faith. I relied on a pastor. I relied on friends. I relied on parents. But Jesus had a different plan for me. Now, my question for you is, if you say you had a choice like that, if you say you had a choice like the rich young ruler, Pastor Ryan Iverson preached a powerful message a few weeks ago on this. And, and the rich young ruler is the story where this guy, he was loaded. He came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I've obeyed you for my entire life. I've done all your commandments. What must I do to come and follow you? And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, go and sell all you have and come follow me. Jesus was prophetically looking into his life and seeing something that took priority in his heart and in his lifestyle and in his day-to-day basis. And he said, if you can't give that up, sorry, bro. And he knew. He knew he loved him. He knew he wouldn't give it up. So he had to just say it then. If you were given a choice right now, again, whether you've been, your first time in church, you've been here for 40 years. If you were given a choice right now to say, hey, Jesus or nothing? You know, would, it, would, it, would, you, would we pick Jesus? I, man, shoot. I'm preaching this message and sometimes I'm like, shoot. Would I pick Jesus? It's, it's not funny. Like, like, I mean, it's funny, but. Would we pick him? Would we serve him? Would we love him? If everything was stripped away from us, would we still love Jesus? Like Job. Everything was taken from him. And he still loved Jesus. And as the band comes up, um, in this six-month period, I really got to know him. Because he was my only friend at that time. I really got to know him. And I got to study his word. And I got to, 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 to be close with him. I got to lay at his feet. I got to lay on his chest. I got to drink from the living water they had for me. I got to really eat of his bread and drink from his cup. I, I had a, an amazing six months, even though it was a little lonely. And if you know me, I love people. I live with like eight of them. And, and I love people. And it was a tough season for me. But Jesus taught me, James, am I, he, and so not taught me, he asked me, James, am I all you need? And by the end of that six months, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt He was. And is he for you? Is he for you? Is he all you need? And here's the thing. Maybe you're asking, like, why? Like, maybe you've had that cool experience, James, but I haven't. I've been serving Jesus for years, and I've never, ever heard his voice once. 
what the heck? Like, maybe you're, you're in that right now, and you're feeling that, and I, again, I sympathize with you. Sometimes it's hard to hear Jesus' voice, but Jesus, this man, he was fully God. He was living in heaven. He was on, uh, on cloud nine. He had all the power, all the knowledge, all the everything, all the riches, walked on gold streets. He had everything. And he came down. He left his deity, came down to earth to be a human just like me and you. Now, sometimes when it's like, man, I don't think God understands me, this is what always brings me back and brings me ground to I know Jesus can understand what I'm going through. He was a human just like you and I were. He lived for 33 years, and he was a humble carpenter. He probably made some really sweet furniture, and he did some pretty cool things. If you don't know about them, I'll tell you. Man, Jesus, his first miracle was turning water into wine at a party. He loved to party. He loved to hang out. Some other things that he did. Man, Jesus, he fed 5,000 men, and it's assumed that there's another 7,000 women and children there with two fish and five loaves. He multiplied it, and they actually had leftovers. Jesus, and he, he would do miracles left, right, and center. Man, some friends, together, there was a paralyzed man. They brought him to him. They cut a hole in the roof. They dropped him down, and Jesus healed the man, and he got up and walked, and he got to know Jesus. Man, Jesus, if you had a sickness, he would heal it. If you were demon-possessed, he would cast that demon out. If you were hurting, he would heal the broken heart. This Jesus that I got to know, and it wasn't easy, and it was hard, and it took work, but this relationship that I invested in, this is the Jesus that you and, and me and every single person can know in such a beautiful and intimate way if we're willing to give up everything. The more I see Jesus, the more I get to know him, the more I love him, as this song we're about to sing says. My last question for you is, when people see you, do they see Jesus? Our one job, our purpose in this world is to reflect Jesus. As Jesus came, and he was a perfect picture of the Father, a lot of people thought he was an angry God. A lot of people thought he just, you know, didn't care about humanity. But Jesus came and showed humanity, hey, this is who my father is. Now, again, I've been saying, sometimes it's hard to see Jesus. But what Jesus left was you. What Jesus left for this world, to have, the picture that he left was you, was me, was us, was the church. And when we go out, when we live, when we breathe, when we work, when we study, when we just hang out with people, do we reflect Jesus? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not easy. And when we can't even see him, when we can't even feel him, when we, sometimes it's hard to get to know him. It's like, how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to, James? You're asking, how am I supposed to reflect Jesus? I, I, I've been trying. I've been, I've been doing my best, but I just can't. It's, it's hard for me to give up everything. But when we know Jesus came, lived as a human, as I told you, and he gave up everything for you, he died on the cross, he took 
40 lashes to the back. He took beatings with rods. He took two nails in his hands. He took a nail through his feet. He took a crown of thorns on his head. He took a spear in his side because he loved you. And because he wanted to have a relationship with you so that you could be a part of his family. That you could be a part of extending his love. That you could be a part of, of, of having a purpose and having an incredible life that may cost you everything, but it's worth it. You see, John, he was pointing at something here. If you go back to the verse, he's saying, I'll read it again. It is so powerful. I'll read it from my computer. I mean, from my, my iPad. Um, he was pointing at something. Oh, there it is. There it is. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus said. This guy, John, he was pointing at something. If you know him, you'll be like him. Now, maybe you're asking, what are his commands? Is it like the Ten Commandments? But this guy, John, he also wrote about it in John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13. And he said, Jesus was talking to his people. And he's saying, hey, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And my command to you is to love one another as I have loved you. When you love one another as Christ has loved you, you actually become a reflection of Jesus. And you start taking part in what he has for your life. You start taking part in what the church was meant to do. Do people see Jesus when they look at you? Does your lifestyle reflect Jesus? Are you like him? Do you obey his command? You see, the more I get to know him, the more I get to know his commands, the more I want to be like him the more I want to give my every day, my every moment, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's not easy. The more I see how he sacrificed his life for me, the more I say, I want to give my life to you. The more I sit at his feet, the more I lay on his chest, the more I get to know him, the more I want to be like him, the more I want to love people. And around you, there's people that are so desperate for love that are so desperate for community and we have this amazing privilege to take part in what Jesus came to do, what God created the earth for, relationship, family. And as the band in a moment sings this song and you kind of just reflect, I want to pray for a couple groups of people. They'll sing the song and then we'll come back to pray. But if you're in here and you're saying, man, I don't know Jesus. I've never experienced Jesus before. And that may be, it's your first time in church. We had 25 visitors here. I don't know all your stories. We'd love to get to know them. We're glad you're here. But maybe you're saying, man, James, I just, I don't know. But I hear the love he has for you, and I want to get to know that love. I want that love. I want that security. I want that relationship. I want that, that life. Then the second group is, You've, you've been in church your whole life and you know Jesus based upon what other people have told you, but you, but you don't know him. And again, maybe you're in this room and, and you're like, yeah, I do know him, James. Great message, not for me. But if you ask yourself, am I reflecting him in my everyday? 
I want to pray because I know that I need to do a better job at it as well. And the only way that I can do it is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, it's better that I would go so that I can send my Holy Spirit to you. So that you can go and tell the world about what, who I am, about who God is. So in a couple minutes after the band sings this chorus, just reflect, just think, God, where are we at? God, what do I need to lay down? God, is there anything higher above my priority list? Are people influencing me more than you are? God, I want you to be my number one influence. God, I want you to be the center of my life. God, I want you to be everything to me, all I need. Just, Just reflect in this moment, say, is that true for me? If somebody came to me and said, your amazing career or Jesus, what would you pick? Now, I'm not saying get rid of your career, quit your job, and come, come follow him. If Jesus asks you to do that, then do it. But what's more important to you? Money, success, a great spouse, fun, or is it Jesus? think on that and then we're going to come back in a moment. You can sing something.